are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Good morning, North Valley Baptist Church and virtual youth conference delegates. I am so excited to be with you this morning and to come to you in this most unusual way. I want to say thank you for being here, youth pastors, parents, delegates, workers, everybody that's joining in together in virtual youth conference. Thank you for taking time on this Monday morning to be here to hear God's word. I want to say thank you to the North Valley Baptist Church and your leadership through these crazy times and also for taking time to put on this virtual youth conference. For everybody who's helped out in all of the preparation to bring this virtually to us here out across the United States, I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Treber and of course Brother David Russ and all of the leadership team there. Thank you so much and I'm just so thrilled that we get to be a part of this this morning. Life is a journey and sometimes on that journey as I go down through life, the things the road that I'm on gets a little foggy and sometimes unclear and sometimes I don't know exactly what to do. But I'm thankful that there are guiding life principles. These are the road signs in front of me that point me back to God's perfect will and God's path for my life. Each and every one of us needs guiding life principles placed in our lives. And I think about these phrases and these verses and these principles derived from the Word of God that have guided my life. And I know I would not be standing here today coming to you in this way if it were not for these guiding life principles. I think about phrases like, never forget what God has forgiven you about. Victory is not your responsibility, but rather your response to his ability. Honor the principle, and the principle will honor you. The problem is not with the light. The problem is with my sight. Childhood is a time of character building. Teenage years is a time of character testing. Adulthood is a time of character reaping. I think about principles like, how can you give up the world? Just do what you ought to do, and the world will give up on you. The will of God will not lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. I think about the guiding life principle, blessings only and always come on the backside of obedience. Beware of the high cost of low living. God never runs away from runaways. I think about the verses that guide me each and every day as a young man. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Verses like set your affection on things above. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Men ought always to pray. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It goes on to say that your labor is not in vain. 
How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Lift up thine eyes into the hills from whence cometh thy help. Thy help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Lift up thine eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. As I think about those road signs on the journey and the road of life, I think about another phrase in the Bible, a guiding life principle, a question that God poses to us in a prophetic book by the name of Micah. Would you turn there this morning, wherever you may be? Please grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Micah. And I want you to grab a guiding life principle this morning. One that has brought me to tears many times. One that has rung out in my ears over and over and over and over again. As a young man, I could hear this guiding life principle ringing out in my heart and pointing me back to the life that God has called me to have. And I want you to see it in the book of Micah this morning. The book of Micah in chapter number four is where we will be. But Micah chapter number five, just a chapter later, we see the prophecy of the coming king, Jesus, to Bethlehem. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the nations of Judah, among the tribes of Judah. And we see that he gave that prophecy of the coming king to Bethlehem. But we come to Micah chapter number four, and we find God's people in a mess. We find God's people in trouble, and we see God giving a word to his people. Micah chapter number four. And we're going to find this guiding life principle as we come down near the end of this text. Notice, jumping in in Micah chapter number four and beginning, let's begin and pick it up in verse number two this morning. The Bible says, And many nations shall come and say, And let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. We're in Micah chapter 4 in verse number 4 now. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all people will walk everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth. I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth, Ever, even forever. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now I want you to notice verse number nine very carefully. He asks a question not for information, but for examination. And he says, Now why dost thou cry aloud? Is there no king in thee? 
Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. And that phrase that I want you to bring out of verse number nine of Micah chapter number four is the question that I want to ask this morning to each and every delegate listening this Monday morning. Is there no king in thee? Let's pray together. Father, we come into your presence and I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I am so thrilled to be able to open your precious word. I don't deserve it and I stand insufficient but with you, I stand in your sufficiency, and I ask, Lord, that you would anoint this time together. Please speak to someone's heart. Get me out of the way and place yourself, your voice, your word, right into the hearts, the ears, the mind, and then soon the actions, the decisions of each young person listening this morning. Help us, I pray, to be fed from your word, to be challenged, stirred, and then go out of here like a mighty army to do something great for you. In Jesus' name, amen. The king was dead. The prophets were right. The day of reckoning had come in our text. Nebuchadnezzar and his mighty army had marched right into Jerusalem and had conquered King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah first runs from the assault, but he was caught near the plains of Jericho outside of Jerusalem. And King Zedekiah's two sons were slaughtered right before his eyes. King Zedekiah is then brought to Babylon and his eyes are gouged out. Yes, the great king of God's people. Here is the king that once sat on the kingly throne in Jerusalem and now he is in servitude and he is in, uh, he is in slavery, he is in bondage. They have bound him in fetters and he is now in bondage. Here's what I want you to know, young people, for the first time since King Saul, 20 kings ago, for the first time to God's people, that throne sat empty and God's people had no king. There was no king sitting on the throne and they had not seen that for 20 kingdoms and now it had come to pass. How sad it was. That royal scepter lay in waste and ruin. No kingly head wore the kingly crown. The robe that once graced that great king and the kings of the children of Israel was now laying by the wayside. Kings like King David, kings like King Solomon, and the great kings of Israel, the good and the bad, and now they're gone. King Zedekiah, their king, is gone, and no one has taken his place. Micah now places himself in the midst of their deepest sorrows, in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of their uncertainty, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their discouragement. And he places himself in the midst of that and he's trying to give God's prophecy, trying to get them to see with wisdom down the road that God, yes, there was going to be judgment, there was going to be chastisement, but God still had hope for his people and he comes all the way down to the great question that was asked to his people though the king sat empty he said why dost thou cry aloud why am I hearing the tears and the sorrow and the no hope and no hope and it's too late and there's no king and we have no leader and we have no ruler and he says to them Micah says to them in great prophecy he says is there no king in thee don't miss this. He is saying, because you have no visible king, 
does not mean that there is not a king in you. He says in verse number nine, just because your visible counselor has perished does not mean that you do not have a counselor. It does not mean that you do not have kingly blood, that royal blood flowing through your veins. I want you to understand, young people, in the context of our passage in the book of Micah, God is literally speaking to the very people from which the King of kings and the Lord of lords would come. He is speaking to the very people that God chose to bring the God of heaven to be the Savior of the world and enrobed in human flesh to come and to walk on this earth and to taste death for every man, that king that will one day rule and reign forever. And he says, is there no king in thee? This morning, I want to ask the question to every young person in the room today, wherever you may be, is there no king in in thee. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and in the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Send forth to serve the needs of men. In Christ our strength is great. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod, as brothers of the Son of Man. Rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Is there no king in thee, little seventh grader listening this morning, living your life for pizza and video games and thinking that nobody cares and nobody loves you and your life doesn't amount to anything? There is a God in heaven crying out to you this morning, is there no king in thee? Is there no king in the broken-hearted teenager that might have watched their mom and dad go through a divorce? Or maybe there's contention in the home or contention with siblings or contention or frustration or discouragement in your life. There is a God in heaven that is saying, is there no king in thee? The king in you speaks of courage. The king in you speaks of character. The king in you speaks of the royal blood of Jesus Christ flowing through your veins. The king in you speaks of resolve. The king in you speaks of of some young person rising up in the middle of the chaos around us in the world that seems to be crumbling around us and says God has a higher road, a kingdom for me. He has a greater purpose, a higher calling. The life that God wants me to have is done with lesser things. I will not live in the muck and the mire and the frustration and the self uh, uh, depreciation, the self defeat that sin and sorrow and doubt and fear brings. I will stand and answer the question in Christ this morning and say affirmatively, yes, because I am in Christ, there is a king in thee. You say, come on, preacher, come on, there's, there's no king in me. What are you trying to do? Uh, build me up this morning? No, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And I of my own self can do nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. But I'm glad you asked the question this morning. Is there really a king in me? I will take you to the scriptures and just as Micah under the inspiration of God Almighty bring, brought that message to his people, I bring the scriptures to you and answer the question, is there really a king in me? By reading Revelation chapter one and verse number five, it says, and from Jesus Christ, 
who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our, own, from our sins in his own blood. Listen, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Is there really a king in me? Well, First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I literally stand before you on this Monday morning in this virtual youth conference and have a king inside of me. I can answer affirmatively from Micah chapter 4 and verse number 9 when the question was asked, why do you cry aloud, Joseph? Why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in thee? We have weak and powerless apathetic Christians and young people today because they have not answered that question from the scriptures of God's word that there is a king in us. Our songs and our music and our action sound so down and so defeated when we need to stand in triumph and in victory knowing that there is a king in us. I remember right after my mom passed away, I remember uh, rem uh, rec recalling the story of my Mama Brown, which is my grandma. We called her Mama Brown. This is my dad's mother. She said, Joseph, I remember you were born on November 5th. And she says, your family came to North Carolina here to my house for Thanksgiving just a few weeks after you were born. She said, I remember when your mom walked in the door. She says, I remember that she was holding you. And I remember that she looked down at you and she patted you and she said, this is my little preacher man. You know, my mom never told me that she had those thoughts. Mom did not want to be the one to put me in the ministry. But what my mom saw as a, when I was just a little boy, she saw a king in me. She realized that my life counted and mattered and that God wanted to do something with her little boy. Driving home from Iowa City, a city about 30 minutes from us, I drove past uh, our old house where we used to live when I was a little boy. And I remembered, as I pointed out to my children, I remembered the upstairs bedroom that was mom and dad's bedroom. And I told my children how I sat on my mother's knee as a six-year-old little boy, convicted in my heart because of something I had done and realized that I was a sinner and needed a savior. And my mom led me to Jesus Christ. And I remember my mom saying that all of heaven is rejoicing because you trusted Christ as your Savior. And now you have been chosen and you have been called. Rise up and do something with your life. My mom saw a king in me and my dad saw a king in me. All oh, my righteousnesses were as filthy rags, but somebody saw a king in me and I see a king in you this morning. Though we are separated by technology this morning, wherever you may be, whoever you may be, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I say to you, is there no king in thee. You were created more than for just video games. You were created more than, feel, than, than, than uh, feeling beat down and hopeless and uh, that your life doesn't matter. No, you were created 
for a purpose. That's what Jesus said. He created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a chosen generation. The Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. He said, I have set thee aside for this purpose. And so this morning, young person, I plead with you. I plead with you to answer the question according to the scriptures is there no king in thee? There is a God that loves you. No matter how far you may, might have gone, young person, no matter whether you're living in sin or not, I cry out to you this morning to say God loves you and God cares about you and God has a life for you to live and it's a high road and it's a greater purpose. And he cries out and says, is there no king in thee? I want you to think about this this, this morning, young person. When troubles come, is there no king in thee. In our text in Micah chapter number four, trouble had come to the children of Israel. Their king had been captured. The princes had been slain or slaughtered, killed before their eyes. There was much turmoil and chaos in the land. And God was calling out to them to understand that even though there was trouble in their land, they would be okay because there was a king in them. Something terrible has happened to you, young ladies. Something dark, maybe, maybe you've been abused in some way. Young man, maybe you've gone through uh, the loss of somebody that you love or maybe a broken heart. Somebody broke your trust and you think that life doesn't matter anymore and you begin to blame God. And you have a broken heart this morning. And God says, there's a king in you, a king to guide you, a king to lead you, a king to sustain you, a king to comfort you. If you know Christ, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isaiah 53 says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 and verse number 7 says he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he openeth not his mouth who is this talking about it's talking about jesus christ the king of kings who suffered affliction far greater than you and i will ever taste and yet there was a king in that man hanging on the cross when he cried out my god my god why hast thou forsaken me there was a king in him when he took his last breath as he drug his bloody back up and down the cross in him was the king of kings and the lord of lords he was bullied more than you'll ever be bullied he was uh, abused more than you'll ever be abused. He was misunderstood more than you'll ever be misunderstood. But there was a king in him, and that king in him kept him focused for the joy that was set before him. He endured the, 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 the cross. He despised the shame, but he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God because he, just like Paul, fought a good fight. He finished his course. He stood firm. He pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Why? Because he was 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I remember being in Africa and we had prepared to host this camp. It was outside of the city of Morogoro, Tanzania, East Africa. The day arrived that camp began and I remember seeing Peter show up. Peter was a young man that was slightly simple, but he wanted to be at camp. He didn't have any money. He didn't have anything. As a matter of fact, his dad was an invalid and he had to go out and provide money for his family by pushing a beer cart in the beating down East Africa sun. And the beer would just be stacked high on the cart and he would go all over the city, this simple boy would, pushing the beer cart and he was made fun of and, and uh, just a degrading kind of a life. And this was Peter and I was so thrilled to see Peter at camp. He had walked several hours to be at camp that morning and we were thrilled to see Peter there. We began the games in the opening ceremonies of summer camp East Tanzania and I remember that somebody showed up and said Peter has to go home. His dad who's an invalid needs him. Peter was so defeated. He had waited all year long to go to summer camp and now he had to go back home. We were devastated. I was so crushed. I, I, I begged with my brother-in-law, Jerry, who's the missionary. I said, please, how can we keep him here? He says, no, he's, he's got to go. His dad said he has to come back home. He had to go back home and push that beer cart to make money just to feed his family that day. And he left. We were devastated. And I began to pray for Peter. And I thought, how can a young man like Peter ever make it? Jerry said, Peter knows Jesus. He'll be all right. Peter knows Jesus. He'll be all right. I was shocked to see later that night, many, many, many hours later, Peter showed back up. I was so overwhelmed. I was so excited. And I, I began to ask, of course, through the translators what had happened. He had gone home and worked as hard as he possibly could work. And then with just the little money that he had, he had paid a taxi to bring him back so he didn't have to miss any more of camp. And he had got back to camp and he plugged right in and he enjoyed all week of camp and God stirred his heart. And I have no doubt in my mind that God will use Peter. Why? Because Peter realized he cannot quit just when troubles come. Let me just say that troubles have come to America. We have gone through this pandemic. We have gone through this time of craziness and all of the stuff around us. And we as Christians have risen up to the occasion and tried to follow the Lord and follow Him in everything that He has led us to. But let me just say that when troubles like that come and then the chaos in the streets that we see around us over the past several weeks, let me just say that we need Christian young people to realize that you are more than flesh and blood. You are an eternal everlasting soul that will never die that Jesus saved and there is a king in you and you cannot give up. I think about our forefathers, Patrick Henry, who said our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what other course, what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. You know what Patrick Henry was, Henry was saying? He was saying there is a king in us and we are called for more than bondage. We are called to stand. 
You've heard it said that John Hancock signed his name so big that the king could see it. But what you may not know is that he once was loyal to the crown. But then he started to realize that there was a king in him. And he was called to stand for freedom, for religious freedom, for freedom in Christ to serve and worship God as the scriptures mandates. And he rose up and became a mighty patriot for our land. When you see the world around you in chaos, when you see your home in chaos, when you want to give up, sir, when you want to give up, ma'am, when you want to give up mom or dad that may be tuning in this morning with your children, with your teenagers, when you want to give up, I want you to listen to the song, It Is No Secret, What God Can Do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. It's no secret, but it's going to take a generation of young people to arise like the young Timothys, like the young Daniels, to arise in purpose in your heart and say, God has called me and God has chosen me. And when troubles come, I will not give up. When troubles come, is there no king in thee? My mother, when she passed away, we found a diary, a journal that she has made. And the question was asked, what spiritual legacy would you like to leave for others? Why is this important to you? And I have it here in my own handwriting, what she wrote. To what spiritual legacy she would like to leave. And here's what she wrote. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ would be the one spiritual thing I would think of to carry you through all the many things that come your way through life. It is the sustaining force to keep you on course as you live the Christian life. Sometimes you can only hang on to what is right and biblical and just be faithful to the Lord because it is the right thing to do. There are times when you must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To stand when there are no reasons to stand. To go on when you are grappling in the dark. To smile when there are no smiles to be found. To make conversation when there are no words. This is the faith that we stand in and keep on standing in. The legacy that we pass on from one generation to another. Don't give up and just walk away, but be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And my mama who fought, fought cancer, and my mama who raised seven children and fought uh, through life with a sweet spirit and just kept faithful to the Lord as a pastor's wife here at this church in the small town of Washington, Iowa, realized that it was not about her, but it was about the fact that there was a king in her. There was a character. There was a calling. There was a purpose. And even though heartaches and troublesome times are here filling men's heart with fear, there is still a king, she said. And so I ask, is there a king in you? I am a king in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Scripture is my code of conduct. Conduct, Faith, prayer, and the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this kingly army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable. If my God needs me, I am there. I am a king. I'm not a baby. I don't need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a king. No one has to call me, remind me, visit me, text me, entice me, or lure me because I am a king. I am not a wimp. 
I am in my place saluting the king of all kings, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his eternal kingdom. No one has to send me gifts, food, cards, or candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all of my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The devil cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell can never handle me. Why? Because I am a king. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my my commander calls me from his battlefield. He will promote me to captain and allow me to rule with him for eternity. I am a king leading in God's kingly army, and I am marching claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around because I am a king marching heaven bound. Here I stand. Will you stand with me when troubles come? Is there no king in thee? America, I would like to just pause and say, is there no king in thee? Abortion clinics out there, young ladies living in the dredges in muck and mire of sin, is there no king in thee? Those protesting on the streets, is there no king in thee? Those mocking an almighty God, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Is there no king in thee? Young person living in sin, is there no king in thee? Proverbs 31 says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to drink wine. Well, the last time that I checked, there was a king in me. He said he hath made us to be kings and priests. So why would I put that bottle to my lip? Why would I go and feast my eyes on that which is uh, nudity and nakedness and blasphemous to an almighty God? Why would I do things with my cell phone or disobedience to my parents or listening to music that is less than kingly and not Christ honoring and pointing others to Jesus Christ when he's calling out to say to you this morning, is there no king in thee? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word. This is a kingly book. Amnon, he was the son of a king, but he had a friend whose name was Jonadab, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. And if Amnon would have remembered the kingly blood throwing, flowing through his royal veins, he would have stopped. But instead, he thought more about his nasty, sinful flesh. And he did not submit himself to the Almighty God, to the Spirit of God, to that King Jesus prophetically living inside of him. And instead, he gave in to sin. And of course, his life was ruined because of it. Is there no king in thee? Where are the young person? Where is the young person that will stand and say, Is there no king in me? There's a king in me. I plead with you. I hold in front of me today a picture that I will not show you it, but it's a picture of young people. And in this picture, there's some young people that have thrown their life away. And I'm bringing it to the pulpit this morning to hold it and look at it 
and ask the question, is there no king in thee? Do you not realize that God has a calling and God has a purpose for your life? And just because troubles came, just because sin came, just because chaos came in your life, could you not stand as Micah was calling out to God's people and say, why are you crying aloud? Why are you quitting on God? Why are you giving up? Why are you living a less than best kind of a life? And I say to these young people, there's still a king in you. Come home. Come back to the kingdom. Come back to the cross and know that others may see a fallen Christian, but God still looks down if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and sees a king. Let me say to the North Valley teenagers, let me say to the virtual youth conference delegates in churches across this land and even around the world, when you look at your churches, I want you to see a king. I want you to see little children like my little children. I have seven little children, and they're looking at you, teenager. They're looking at you, and they're looking at you as a king. Would you look back at them and say, is there no king in my church? When I crawl up on that bus route, when I help out in that Sunday school class, when I serve in my church, when I vacuum a floor, when I cook a meal, when I sing a song, may I look out and say the next generation are the kings that will rise out, rise up and go out like a mighty army to change this world for Christ. I remember sitting in a church in the South and I loved to hear the big choir of this church and the choir got up and they began to sing my favorite song. And it was the song, Shepherd Boy. When others see a shepherd boy, God sees a king. Hear the words, one by one, Jesse's son stood before the prophet. Their father knew a king would soon be found. And each one passed except the last. No one thought to call him. Surely he would never wear a crown. But when others see a shepherd boy, God saw a king. Even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, in just a moment he can touch you and everything will change. When others see a shepherd boy, God will see a king. One by one the problems come and the dreams get shattered. And sometimes it's hard to understand. But things like chance and circumstance, they don't really matter. Our father holds tomorrow in his hands. It wasn't the oldest, it wasn't the strongest chosen on that day. And yet the giants fell and the nations trembled when they stood in his way. Because when others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. And even though your life seems filled with ordinary things, in just a moment, right now, in this virtual youth conference, God can touch you and everything will change. Because when others are just seeing a shepherd boy, God is seeing a king. Right now, wherever you may be, I want you to get on your knees in your home, in your living room, at your kitchen table, wherever you may be gathered, maybe with your youth group in a church, and I want you right now to bow, and I want you to say to God, God, forgive me, forgive me for living less than kingly with these hands, with these eyes, with this, these thoughts, with these ears, with these feet, with my actions, with my attitude, with my spirit, and may I arise and take the high road, the calling that God has called me to do, and realize no matter how small, no matter how insufficient I may be, may I realize this morning and stand firmly on God's word to stay with resolve and commitment. Yes, God's word says, there is a king in me. Father, we thank you for the time to share together in this challenge on this Monday morning of virtual youth conference. I don't know who you spoke to other than me. I know you spoke to me. 
My little children need to see a king. Lord, I'm nothing, but I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. And God, help every young person to rise up and to never live a ho-hum, have-it-your-own-way, defeated, lifeless, purposeless, impactless kind of a life. But may we be world changers. May we stand in the character of your word and reach the world for the cause of Christ. May we be leaders of this next generation to stand firmly and boldly because we answer the question, is there no king in thee? By saying, yes, Lord, in you and you in us, there is a king in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.